this is the record second time in a row you haven't <laughs> talked during the intro. I held my breath the entire time. <laughs> that was the big <laughs> sigh you heard at the beginning. <sighs> oh, sorry, everybody. Oh. Welcome back, everyone. Hello, everybody. Hello, friends. Um, I know that people are probably confused with our um, podcast schedule. But it's confused to trust us. I, I, Welcome. It is, yes, <laughs> we're also confused by it. But this is why we encourage you to subscribe, and then that way you'll get notified That's when correct. new episodes drop. Correct. Never so, have to. You never have to wonder. It'll right. Be right there. Right. Right there so, for you. Exactly. Exactly. So, how are you? I am good. How are you? How was your week? It was fine. I'm fine. And how was your week? It was good. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's now giving me a taste of my own medicine. The man cub is home from oh, university. That's right. It's spring break. Yes. Not very spring like out. No. It's <laughs> typical for typical for our region that spring break would be. 40 degrees. Right. And as soon as they go back to school, it'll be 80. Um, yeah, it's been lovely to have him home. He did have to go have some blood taken. Um, just, you know, routine medical stuff. And I guess he hadn't had enough to eat and promptly passed out. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Um, that's not anything that has ever happened to me. The not having enough to I eat. I haven't been hungry since, I want to say, <laughs> probably the Carter administration. Yeah. So um, my husband was with him. I wasn't there. So I get this text. Joseph passed out. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. So I'm getting in Burger King. I'm like, well, as long as it's a healthy, nutritious meal. <laughs> I'm sure all of the food groups are represented. <laughs> Yeah. Cow. Cow. <laughs> Cheese cow. <laughs> That's fine. That, see, that all works well. Yeah. That all works well. But the rapid response team attended to him. I'm like, wow, that got really dramatic. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's very exciting. That's very exciting. Um, oh, my. What is going on here? There we go. I'm sorry. I lost my notes. Oh, I see how I, you are. I lost my way for a moment. That's okay. What have you been up to? Um, lots of dance for the girl child. Lots. Lots. And lots <laughs> of dance. But she's she and her teammates have been doing extremely well. So we are very proud. Excellent. Good for them. Good for them. her, and we love it when our team does great. Of course. Well, that makes it worthwhile for all of them that yeah. all that hard work pays off. Yes, and I still get to see the little ones dance. The itty-bitties? Oh, my God. It's so <laughs> much fun. That's funny. So cute. Some of them are, like, super serious about it. Other ones are just kind of, like, standing there. Like, Electrons. Right. <laughs> it's so cute. Revolving around the stage. Yes. Perhaps in a less meaningful way than or electrons My favorite do. is when one of them doesn't go where they're supposed to do, supposed to go, and then the one with leadership skills shoves them across the stage. There you go. <laughs> See, that works. And kids, that's just how life works. All of it. Sorry. Because that would have been me, and I'll let you figure out which that. <laughs> right. I'm talking about. It's a huge mystery. In case you're not sure, I'll go ahead and provide the answer in the show notes. <laughs> She's the shovey I'm one. The shovey one. <laughs> All right, from the top, let's go. <laughs> uh, what are we? Statues? Is this a museum? Let's get moving. <laughs> I used to yell at people in softball that wouldn't like that, like sat down in the fields when we were little, like in the outfield, started playing with the grass. I'm like, get up! <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> she yells at me a lot. It's like, Not. what are we doing here? 
I do not. She does all the time. It's rather an abusive relationship. <laughs> so. So much stories. There is. There's so lots much of, stories. Lots of stories. Okay. Can I tell you, I, I know this isn't, you know, bovine waste, but I've got to, I really have something that kind of just has two things, actually, that have kind of really. Ground your gears. Chapped my ass. All right. One of them is, is you know, once upon a time when you got an app from the app store, mm-hmm. you paid one price. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Mm-hmm. Then everybody goes to, oh, well, I mean, now that's a subscription. Right. Okay, that's fine. But then we go from, oh, no, no, no. That's the, that's the rate if you pay for a full year. If you want to pay for it monthly, mm-hmm. you know, it's $1,000 more. It's that, right. I, and I'm being, I'm obviously being hyperbolic, but I, I'm just looking at this thing here and, you know, everything pops up with a monthly rate, mm-hmm. but that's only if you pay yearly and you have to pay attention that it's the yearly and not the monthly. And Correct. why, why does the monthly have to be in some instances, five, $6 a month more? I have no idea. That makes me think that you're going to sh- close up shop take my money and run off to, you know, right. and, and Barstow, I, California, where the big thermometer is or something. Right. And and I appreciate the fact that you'd like predictable revenue. Most of us would. Right. That's what monthly is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're just kind of gouging. And what about, so so somebody wants to, to try you out, they're going to pay a premium. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make much. No. I don't know. It just bugs me. So... Those are the two things that kind of came up this week as as I was doing work for that Weekend was a, Media Group. That was one thing. Well, okay. It was the it used to be one price, one price. then okay. it turned monthly. Okay. And then now now it's not monthly, it's annually. And but then we're gonna tell you the monthly price, mm-hmm. but only if you do the ten year plan. Right. Bait so. and switch, crisscross. <laughs> Bait and switch. Crisscross. <laughs> oh, funny. What are we doing this week? We are doing what I will affectionately call the backdoor pilot for our <laughs> new podcast. Oh, so many things. I could so say. many things. <laughs> the first time I heard that expression, I was like, huh? <laughs> it reminds me of the Friends episode. Well, I talked to her about what she and that guy did. And well, is it possible that he's the father? Not the way they did it. Right. Is it the thing that we never do or the thing that we only do sometimes? It's the thing we, we never, never do. do. And then he goes, Stabby Joe. <laughs> uh, we are heavily influenced by television. Why yes. don't you tell our listener what it is, that why we're doing this and what's going to happen next? Which saying we're heavily influenced by television is a just perfect segue into what our new podcast is, is we are going to examine the TV Guide's 1997 list of the 100 top episodes of TV up until that time. They later came out with a 2000, 2009 episode, but we're going to do the earlier... 2009 list. Sorry, list. And the only reason I say that is is because I was really irritated, so this is how dumb I am. So Stephanie told me about this. I'm like, oh, that's an excellent idea. So I start going through the list, and I get really irritated because the West Wing isn't in there. Right. The West Wing came out in 1999. So I want to visit the 2009 list and see if there are any episodes of the West Wing on there. Yes, there are some things that were incredible television that, that is left off this list just because of the timing. 
but we're starting with the earlier list because we're old. And so these are the shows that would have been. And, and, and as she'll point out, I'm older. Yes. Um, two years, two months, two days. Uh, one day, sorry. Two years, two months, one day. These are the episodes of TV that we would have, that would have had more formative impact on us growing up. Not all of them, because no. some of them actually predate both of us. <laughs> some of us predate, like, I don't know, sound, I think. <laughs> Like there is um, Playhouse 90, which neither of us know what that is. <laughs> I'm like, why is it 90 when it's like 1953? <laughs> right. Is it 90 minutes? <laughs> I, don't the, understand. I, I Yeah, I do not either. So, and then, so we were talking uh, before we, uh, before we got into the studio and I said, well, today's was really easy. But boy, the next few are going to be a bit of a, a bit of a struggle to find them. Right. We may have to go to the um, Smithsonian. <laughs> right. Because the next two are from 1960 and 1963. Respectfully. Yes. And um, I wouldn't have a clue where to find them. <laughs> right. And I'm just going to, well, I'm just going to talk about it right now. So the first, the hundredth best episode, according to TV Guide in 1997, was Friends um, from their second season in 1996 called The One with the Prom Video. Um, the next episode is The Untouchables from 1960. And the episode after that is from The Outer Limits. Now, if we can't find either or both of those episodes, we will substitute either something from the other list or we'll try to find a, like a sort of parallel television Univers program. Oh, sorry. No, I misunderstood where you were going with <laughs> no, that. No, no, no. That's Outer Limits, not Parallel Universe. <laughs> Just something like a, The Untouchables. We'll try to like sub in a procedural or something. Or, or could we talk about what The Untouchables, the impact The Untouchables had? Oh, for sure. So, like And I think that The Outer Limits would be the same thing because it is sort of a companion piece to The Twilight Zone and what eventually becomes, you know, like The X-Files and uh, Lost and all of those TV shows that have that sort of supernatural, heavy supernatural hint, like hint to them. I will say that number ninety-seven. I am confident that you're probably jonesing to get to. <laughs> number ninety-seven is an episode of Little House on the Prairie, and I'm still mad at Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a lot of better notes. I do. When Mary went blind, I was out. I was so mad. Why don't you get out of the bitter barn and come play in the hay? I'm still mad about it. I think I was in first grade when I read that book, and I was just appalled that this happened. And Mom's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Spoiler alert." <laughs> yes, yeah, spoiler alert for something that happened in the 40, 1800s. Forty-four year old episode of TV based on a book from when? <laughs> Set in the 1800s. My mom was like, honey, you, you know, she was kind of incredulous as to why I was so upset about it. She's like, well, that's what happened. I'm like, I don't want it to happen. <laughs> oh, I want it to unhappen. <laughs> so we will, you know, uh, look forward to that episode. We'll do our best. <laughs> as, a, 
Also, I sit cross-armed and like, hmm, pout. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we really need to start televising our episodes <laughs> so you can see. Um, I Picket Fences is on there. That was great. I'm really excited because the Mod Squad's on there. And this particular episode's from 1970. So I was... I was probably two because mm-hmm. the season probably started in September of 70. Uh-huh. Um, so clearly I don't remember this, but I do remember watching the Mod Squad. I don't know if I remember it because it was on or if I remember it because it was in reruns. Yeah. Um, kind of the same with Star Trek. I don't know that I, I don't even, I don't know. You what, couldn't have. Okay. So it was actually. It was like 65 to, or 67 to 69 or 65 to 67. Okay. There's so it no way. Been, yeah. That would have been all reruns. But I was pretty. I was a little disappointed that the trouble with Tribbles is not one mm-hmm. of the Star Trek episodes mm-hmm. on here. So um, I'm sure your husband would agree with me. Mm-hmm. So That's a great episode. It is really the one that is on the list is City on the Edge of Forever, which is a remarkable episode and has Joan Collins in it. Oh, okay. I don't. I say I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really good. Yeah, and, and there's some other really good stuff on here. I mean, it's kind of cool that you, you see some of these um, late 90s shows like The Rock from the Sun. You've got the X-Files in there, but then you're going all the way back to the Patty Duke show, and we can talk about what happened when she turned 18 and why mm-hmm. the show suddenly got canceled. Um, I think there's some neat history in some of these that, mm-hmm. that we can talk about. Family Ties is on this list, and Family Ties is one of my absolute favorite shows because it kind of goes back to that, I, I want to say, like the rebirth of the sitcom. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. In the, in the uh, early 80s where, you know, in the 70s, the sitcom was mod. It was all in the family. It was the Jeffersons. I, and there were a lot of social issues in there. It seemed like a lot of angst in those episodes. Right. And then you get into the 80s and finally, you know, you're starting to get into that more nuclear family um. Yeah, they're dealing with issues, but you know everybody's not screaming at each other, which is right. nice. As much as I love Norman Lear, who probably him and Larry Gelbart had more. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> influence on my life growing up than they should have. But and as much as I love B. Arthur, may she rest. I can't stand Maude because she just screeches the oh, yeah. entire time. It's yeah. so overbearing. Right. But that to me is is what 70s sitcoms were. Right. Because Archie did it in All in the Family. Right. Um, George did it in George Jefferson's. George Jefferson did it in the Jeffersons. Maude did it in Maude. And it was it's just like jarring to watch it now. Right. But I think it'll be neat when we launch this to be able to talk about that transition and and that kind of attitudinal shift in the viewing public too, though. What right. was going on culturally at the time? You know, in the 70s, you had Vietnam was still either going or very raw in people's minds mm-hmm. as it had concluded toward the end of the decade. Um, and And, you know... You had the sexual revolution. You had a lot more focus on women's rights and equal rights. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This is all completely Stephanie's idea. Um, and uh, I'm, I think it's a very cool idea. I think there's a lot of neat things we can do with this beyond even the 100. Yeah. So don't think it's going to end after 100. We have lots of plans. Right. And this is cheap. So we're just going to keep talking. <laughs> so... Our first episode that we already talked about is from what Season has two. become uh, has become a 
cultural touchstone for people our age as our first sort of contemporary grown-up sitcom watching. Um, the people on Friends were <clears throat> close to or our age, although I think Monica is... She's probably three years older than me. I think she's yeah. 57. But the others are, are really kind of all right around my age. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one maybe is a little closer to your Jennifer age. Jennifer Aniston is like February of 69 to... Okay. Yeah, so okay. she's very close to mine. She's actually shares a birthday with my mom. So that's kind of cool. And they're both Greek girls, so that makes us all very happy. <laughs> so kind of giving a background as to where they are in the show... Ross has always had a crush on crush. I can't talk. Sorry, everybody. A crush on Rachel since they were in high school, and she comes to New York City after leaving her fiance at the altar because he was not doing it for her. So Russ, is, Russ, Ross has been crushing on Rachel. Russ is a different episode <laughs> of Friends, but it's very funny. <laughs> Ross has been, you know, kind of pining away for her this entire time. At the end of the first season, Rachel finds out that Ross has, like, loved her unconditionally this entire time. And she rushes to the airport to try to stop him or meet him. No, he was... Oh, he was coming back. He was coming back, right? I I don't know. Did she try and rush to stop him and he had already gone and that was the end of the one season? I think so. Or are we confusing that with Emily? I don't know. I, Ross, take the Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By the way, these lines, this isn't because we just looked it up. No. This takes up valuable RAM. Right, right. I could probably be much more productive if all of this TV stuff wasn't jammed in my nugget. (laughs) But um, Rachel realizes that she loves him, too. She goes to the airport to meet him when he comes back from a very... Uh, Special Christmas. Oh, I'm short, sorry. That's a different thing. Short trip, uh, paleontolo- paleontological trip to China, and he comes back with Julie. And Julie! You see him at the airport, and it was crushing. Everyone was so disappointed. So, I was okay with it. You were? Yeah. I wasn't. Because I love Jennifer Aniston. Oh, Bryce, you're such a goober. (laughs) And I thought, well, gosh, if a nerd like him would have a chance with her, I'm, oh, no, I don't. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) There's also some sub things going on in there. Monica had lost her job an episode or two before. Mm -hmm. um, We had the the Dirty Salad job interview in there. Um, Which is just really, really funny. Oh, my gosh. We can get to that in just a minute. Um, but in the very beginning, Ross is kind of bemoaning this loss of Rachel and the fact that they they kind of continue to be two ships passing in the mm-hmm. night. Um, and, uh, and, and where Ross, was it, was it before this that Ross had made the list pros yes. and cons? Okay. So that's what really leads up to this okay. episode. Okay. I couldn't remember for sure. But, um, do you, do you want to talk about the lobster? <laughs> we'll get to the lobster in a minute. Okay. So yeah. Rachel gets drunk one night, leaves Ross a message on an answering on his answering machine. Um, for those of you who don't know what an answering machine is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like voicemail, but it sits on your table. Right. And she realizes, she confesses that she has feelings for him. And then, you know, we can't have an easy get together. So conflict arises and he makes a list of pros and cons about Rachel. And she's 
very off put by it because well it's, it, she should be right the I pluses and minuses justified pluses and minuses of dating me <laughs> wow i mean me now i know those lists go around Shut there's up. actually a warning pamphlet out there <laughs> we have an alphabetical list no, i'm just kidding it's also in order of your <laughs> um so we can't have an easy thing. Uh, he still loves her. She's very hurt, obviously, and justifiably, as we said. So they're getting ready to – hold on a second. This particular episode, Joey uh, is able to pay Chandler back for some of the money he owes him for staying in his house. Joey, or sorry, um, Chandler getting his headshots, basically treating him like a child, is <laughs> dependent. And they're talking about Ross and Rachel, about like getting together, et cetera, et cetera. And they dig up a video from when they went, when Monica and Rachel went to prom after Ross had actually gone to college. So... They start watching the video, and Ross is begging them not to. And you don't know why he's begging them not to. You would think it was the mustache. Right. <laughs> uh, David Schwimmer has a fro. Well, but a lot of people did that in that era, that, that early 80s era, right. decided that a lot of men decided that that was a, a good look. Yes, I remember people having perms. Um, so... And he has a very, very, very horrible mustache, but he's trying to look older because, you know, he's a freshman in college. So some of the less ideal, ideal parts of this episode include anytime we have a retrospective of Monica when she's younger, we have to have Monica in the fat suit. Right. Which, I mean, it's part of her character and... But we, we talked beforehand... That maybe hasn't aged so well. Right. Because I, it's not like the the actress had experienced, uh, uh, had had kind of had to battle her weight and, right. and, and really was able to overcome those challenges. Um, speaking for 50% of the people in the studio, I, God knows I can't seem to, I can't seem to make it consistent. Now, I, I wasn't put off by it. I wasn't bothered by it. But I, I think when you... When you go for a cheap laugh, like, oh, not only is she fat, but, you know, nothing's going on, so she's eating a giant sandwich. Right. That's where I really struggle with it because it it makes it out like that's all people who struggle with their weight do, it, you know, walk around with hero sandwiches. Very rarely have I walked around with a hero sandwich. <laughs> I, I mean, sure, there was earlier today and just when I came into the studio and when I got up this morning, but don't don't stereotype me. And don't talk about my car mayonnaise. So. <laughs> She kids did not say jar mayonnaise. She did in fact say car mayonnaise. Car mayonnaise, like car hot sauce. You just got to have it in there. But no, I mean, you know, overall, when you look at the episode, the the sandwich added nothing. No, to it the doesn't. episode added nothing to the story. Getting mayonnaise on Rachel's shoulder added nothing to the story. It just right. made fun of the fact that Monica was fat. Right. And 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 I don't think that was to make fun of fat people. I think it was for a cheap joke. And I laughed, and I laughed again when I saw it, but mm -hmm. it struck me that, uh, you know what, this probably isn't, this really didn't, this part of it wasn't necessary, right. and it didn't age that well. Certainly, I, I wouldn't think that they need to take out just because she was overweight. No, because that's an important part of who she 
becomes what she's right. a chef. Right. And, and and I think also kind of explains some of her neuroses. Right. It's like she channeled all of the energy from eating into cleaning. Right. 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 Which, I mean, that's perfectly okay. There's nothing about that that is. That, that has never happened to me. But... Right. Which is why I'm fat and my house is a mess. <laughs> so. <laughs> I like eating. <laughs> I don't like cleaning. No, I, I don't mind cleaning. I just have ADHD and it's a bitch. Um, so they're watching the video. Eventually, uh, Rachel's date is late to the, oh, and the other thing is we get to see Rachel's real nose, which is always well, also I think, another I think thing. I think it's also they, Jennifer Aniston's original <laughs> nose too. Maybe. Where, uh, there's it's kind of a running joke in the length of the of the series that this nose that she presents to us with is not original equipment so um the, as it gets time to leave Rachel's date's not there and she is noticeably and understandably devastated that her date isn't there, and, you know, she says something about, it's so harsh, <laughs> which was very the kind of lingo you would get at the time. And and really the kind of over-the-top over reaction that you would give if it were happening to you sure. and you're 16, 17 years old. Right. And I believe this is also the one where Monica says the camera adds 10 pounds. Right. And, and Chandler says, how many cameras are on you? <laughs> Which is funny. Um, I don't have a problem with that joke I've, at all. I've, I've used that on me. I'd like to remind you the camera adds 10 pounds and 14 cameras are pointed right. at me. So through the course of watching the video, um, Monica's dad convinces Ross to put on his tux, meaning Jack's tux, the dad, and offer to Which take... Which if you see those two people, there's absolutely no way that would work. Right. But we're going to, you know, suspend disbelief that right, David right. Schwimmer could fit into uh, Elliot Gould's tuxedo. Ross goes and puts on the tuxedo. He takes the flowers out of like a vase at the top of the stairs and he's ready to go down to Rachel and take her to prom and be her like super savior. Well, about that time, Rachel's date shows up and they very giddily and joyfully leave the house and the camera is focused on Ross, and he is absolutely devastated. And you see, sort of for the first time, kind and of, David Schwimmer does a fantastic job in this scene of just how much he loved her, how much he wanted to be with her and make her happy, and how it just broke his heart. And uh, they all get very quiet. And Rachel, without saying a word, gets up and walks over to Ross and gives him the biggest kiss. It's a super smooch. And the audience goes wild. And all along, Phoebe's been saying that Ross and Rachel are meant for each other, that they're lobsters because lobsters mate for life. And Phoebe says, see, he's her lobster. So that's the one with the prom video. Right. And, and you talk about. David Schwimmer, and I think that um, from, I, I think most guys have been in that position, myself included, and he just really captures Aww. the depth of letdown. It's so good. 
David Schwimmer doesn't get enough credit for the physical stuff that he did on Friends because some of the funniest things, like him in the leather pants, trying to get back into his leather pants after he's gone to the bathroom because they're so hot, is hysterical. The stuff where him and Joey are hanging off the fire escape, hysterical. His physical comedy, like when he goes to the tanning bed and he has an eight on the front and a zero <laughs> on the back, so funny. He's really talented. And I think he got overshadowed because Ross is kind of, uh, Ross is actually kind of a creepy character on some levels. But right. David Schwimmer does a fantastic job. Well, he does. And he never threw in the towel on the character, even though I kind of felt like particularly toward the end, they were they were really bordering on making him a cartoon character right. of himself. And, and and that's not fair. They did that with Larry Linville in MASH. Right. And, and I don't think he ever, his professionally, he ever recovered from that. Which um, is a real shame because... Larry Linville was a fantastic actor, and everybody that worked on MASH has nothing but the most glowing things to say about him. Going back to The Lobster, mm-hmm. I uh, because that's that's one of my favorite parts in here. Because we also didn't talk, though, about the um, Liberace House of Crap. We didn't. <laughs> we did. The gold bracelet. Yeah. It's fantastic. But, you know, Phoebe has been one of those characters that... I don't know how you could not just love that character. Mm-hmm. She's so free spirit. I don't know how on some level you couldn't want to be that person who is just so free spirited. They're bothered by nothing. Nothing. And, and, and just living their life, living their best life everywhere they go where, you know, it's me. It's going to be, all right. <laughs> I'm on the baton death march to life. I'm angsty today. <laughs> so what happened? I woke up. Right, Exactly. <laughs> so, but you know, Phoebe talking about, uh, it's a, I think the quote is, come on, you guys, it's a known fact that lobsters fall in love and mate for life. Um, you know what? You can actually see old lobster couples walking around their tank holding claws, and she demonstrates it. So I, I had to look this up because I'm that nerd, right? So lobsters do have a monogamous bond, but it only lasts for two weeks. This is from Trevor Carson, the author of The Secret Life of Lobsters. So boy lobsters are no different than boys anywhere else. We are monogamous, and we are in it to win it for about two weeks. For about two weeks. <laughs> so... I just thought that was funny. And um, this is particularly meaningful to me because my husband and I have the ongoing we're each other's lobsters thing. I have a series of lobster toys, and it's just, it's very sweet. It is. No, it is. And I've heard you two say that before. Um, and then the salad. So Monica right. is out of work. Kind of what it did, bring us up to what happened. Why did she lose her job? I can't quite remember. It, wasn't she taking the steak? Oh, that's right. She got offered just a, a promo thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like she was on the take. No, she wasn't doing anything, but it got back. There was a discount on steak or something, and she took the steak home and fed it to the the gang around the table, and then the restaurant found out about it and fired her. But that episode where she brought it home, she got fired at the end of it, but let's see, there was a whole issue about money, and Rachel and Joey and Phoebe didn't have money, mm-hmm. and the other three did, and were going off to do. To see some of these things date themselves. It was Hootie and the Blowfish. Right, they went to Hootie and the Blowfish concert. <laughs> I don't know how many people are like who. Yeah, Hootie's <laughs> that's, now a country that's western Darius singer. Rucker, <laughs> his old group. So, um, but then she goes on this interview. <laughs> and it's 
creep. I want to make. I want you to make a salad. And Monica says, well, I can make something more complicated. No, 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 a salad's fine, but I want you to tell me what you're doing. And so she starts in about tearing the lettuce. He wants to know, is the lettuce it's dirty? dirty. <laughs> and then it's the tomatoes. Um, and, you know, uh, what are you, you going to do next? I'm going to cut up the tomatoes. Are they firm? <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, they're, they're all right. Are you sure they haven't gone bad? You're sure they're not That's very, very, very bad? bad? And then what at the very end, <laughs> finally pushes her over the edge. She says, he asks if, if, she, if she's going to slice them. She's like, no, I thought I'd julienne them. And he goes, uh, uh. <laughs> and she she's says, like, I'm out of here. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> oh, I, I have to say, I, I think all of those actors are, are just so gifted, so talented. And, and that was just the second season yeah. of the show. So, you know, to have coalesced as a group so quickly, that's some incredible casting right there. And they immediately, like... It takes a while. Some shows are kind of like a slow burn. You know, oh, first season was pretty good, you know, whatever. Friends hit the ground running and did not stop for the next 10 seasons. So one of the funnier elements of this episode also is Joey gives Chandler a bracelet, like a friendship bracelet. But it is, as Steve mentioned, from the Liberace House of Crap. <laughs> and then he thinks that he loses he loses the bracelet, so he goes out and buys another bracelet. Well, first, Joey heard him because he, he said it was Liberace House Crap, and then mm-hmm. it was the Mr. T starter collection or whatever. Right. And Joey walks in, and he just walks out. He is just hurt. And so then Chandler thinks he loses the bracelet, so he goes and buys another one. Then he finds the bracelet, so then they have bracelet buddies. <laughs> oh, God. That's what they'll call us. <laughs> That's what they'll call us with the look of sort of thinly veiled terror in right. Chandler's eyes. Right. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I, there was one other thing in there, and and it. Um, I, I just wonder how many people, because it seems like so many people have started this as they achieved their adulthood. Um, a little more recently, but when we see the first shot of Ross uh, post high school, and he's got the the afro and he's got the mustache, and you remember what Joey says, mm-hmm. "Looking good, Mr. Cotter." <laughs> oh, that's right. And, and, and a throwback to "Welcome Back, Cotter," which is uh, God. That was a that was a '70s show. Yeah, John yeah. Travolta came out of that show. Yes. Um, but uh, you know that was kind of a precursor to "Head of the Class." Yes. So, and I've often wondered, like, why was Friends so popular? Because if you looked at the movies that dealt with Generation X, sort of leading up to this, it was all like slackers and you know this sort of pessimistic. All of the sort of portrayals of Gen X up to this point have been very pessimistic, like Reality Bites is you know our generational movie, slacker, uh, singles all these movies that portray us as cynical and I don't, you know, slackers, no ambition, you know, no drive. And then friends comes along and it's Gen X, but it's like happy Gen X. Right. And I think that that's part of the reason why people embrace this so much, because while being pessimistic, I think is a characteristic characteristic of Gen Xers because we grew up watching 
things like the Challenger. Yeah, and, and it had even gotten, I think we talked about this before, it had gotten so routine that they weren't even broadcasting these on television right. anymore, but for this one. Right. We grew up with that. We grew up with the day after the fear of nuclear war. So there is a pessimistic streak that can run through our generation. But it was nice to see us portrayed, I think, in the in the manner that most of us really were. We're just trying to do the best we could. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, you know, everybody there was hardworking, including Phoebe. She, oh, went, yeah. she paid her bills. She did her yeah. thing. She had a career. Yeah. Um, there was something that you said that I wanted to go back to. Dang it. I, I'll remember it when I edit the episode. Awesome. So you can stick it in. I don't know how to do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and let's be clear. That whole exchange out of context is getting cut out. <laughs> stick it into our backdoor and, pilot. And I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Trust me, I know. So I, I just think that that's part of the reason that, you know, and this use this word gets overused so much, but it's part of the reason why Friends was so in the zeitgeist was because Gen X was finally being portrayed as who we were. Right. But don't you also think there's an element of, you know, I'm, I'm watching this because I'd like to, um, I, I, I would like that to be more indicative of my life. Oh, sure. Because Having that group of friends was aspirational. Right. Because, you know, you, at that age, you know, we're in our late twenties at that point. Well, you're in your mid twenties. I'm closer to my late twenties. Well, no, I guess not. Yeah. We're both in our mid twenties. Um, you, that's when you, I think you start to realize that, Hey, you know, I have a lot of acquaintances, right? I don't have that many close friends Mm -hmm. because that's when you start to kind of figure out what it is that you want out of life, what it is you want out of those relationships. And, and so then you see these people who have such a great relationship and then you find out that they actually in real life have this great relationship. And I, I don't know. I think it it helps you to feel like you're a part of something a little bigger. Right. That's definitely a a part of it, too, because, you know, this is the age where you've sorted through a lot of people that you figured out. No, no, no. And and frankly, the same's happened to you. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that that you you were in these friendships and and found out, well, gosh, okay, this time it's me that's Mm -hmm. not right for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it was not a big deal and other times it was a big deal. Right. And they, they support each other unconditionally, which is, you know, they help Rachel cut up her credit cards, which may not seem like a big deal. Oh, she's so spoiled. She's entitled, but they cared enough about her to be like, you can do this. You can do this on your own. You don't need to be dependent on your dad. Right. You don't need to be dependent on Barry. You can do this. So it's a, it's a really, it's a lovely show. I know that some of it hasn't aged well. Um, there, I don't think there's too many parts. Do you? Uh, well, there's, there's some criticism about it being too, um, white, which I can't disagree with that. Um, if you want to see a really great show that also deals with some friends in their mid twenties, figuring things out, that's more diverse, uh, watch episodes of living single because it's a fantastic show. You, you know, have pick that up. I think Friends could have done better on the multicultural thing, but they did. They had um, Ross's wife was eventually in a same-sex relationship, and nobody's there to support her, and Ross ends up being there to support her, right? which is what in- unconditional love is. And I think that that's, that's very sweet, and it 
was impactful to people our age to see that because there wasn't a lot of that represented on TV until then. Right. And there wasn't a lot of that going on in real life because right. people weren't so comfortable being who they were. Um, I, I, you know, and I, yeah, okay. I guess they could have, I, I guess we could criticize them for m- not looking as inclusive but the reality is, is people are products of their environment. And if you look at the type of work everyone did and where they associated and how they knew each other, a lot of these were friendships that were born of high school, mm-hmm. born of college. And I, I don't know. I just sometimes I think it's nice to just have fun television and not right. feel like television needs to try and teach me something. I also think that this is a time before people were people understood the impact of representation on uh, on people who are not in the majority in the society. And for what it's worth and the time that it was made, I think Friends did do a good job overall of making sure that it was thoughtful and, you know, Ross and Joey end up having um, – a relationship with a woman who is of a different race than them. Right. Julie is of a different race than Ross. So all in all, I think it it stands the test of time. Sure, there are some things that don't age well. I'm sure as we go through this list from the 60s, we're going to oh, find some yeah. stuff that's I, probably really offensive. I, I think we're going to find one or two things, maybe. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny, though, as I was looking at the Mod Squad, um, one of their assignments was going to a school undercover to investigate a murder. So the Mon Squad kind of was the the precursor to 21 Jump Street. Which I love 21 oh, Jump Street. Oh, I did. Street. Yeah, I did too. It was so unique in its time. Um, which, none of those episodes are on the top 100. Right. But um, so it, I'm really excited to get to the Mod Squad because it was such a unique show. And I can remember, I'm like, oh, they're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which is bizarre because when I saw it, I couldn't have been more than six or seven, and it would have had to have been in a rerun, I'm sure. sure. So, but they were, I mean, flashy and dressed well, and you know, we were sold on them being cool, right? So. Right. It's funny though because I didn't know their backstories. Well, all of them had committed crimes, and oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they'd all committed crimes. So naturally, this police captain put them in a group and said, "You can either go to jail or you can be cops." And, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay. I don't think that's how that works, but whatever. In our time, it seemed like things that they got told, you can either uh, go join the army or go to jail. Right. And now it's just, well, you can just go to jail. (laughs) Right. So. I did want to take some time to talk about um, the unsung heroes of television movies. Any content that you consume are the writers. And the writers on this episode were David Crane, Marta Kaufman, who were the creators of the show, and Alexa, and I don't know how to say her name correctly. I think it's Young, spelled J-U-N-G-E. It mm-hmm. could be Jung. I don't know. Alexa, if you're listening, sincere apologies. <laughs> and, and I'm sure she's not. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, but she also had a, um, a – she's been nominated for multiple Emmys for her work on The West Wing uh, and Friends. She was – a showrunner for Veronica's Closet. She ended up being a producer for Friends. So she has a long career in history and I just wanted to take the time to shout out the well, writers it, because it, it's a very well-crafted episode. And well, she wasn't a, she wasn't on there all the time, 
but she slid in and was able to write something in the continuity that worked really well. But, you know, you, you talk about the writers. Um, given that there are two prolific writers on this podcast, <laughs> um, I, I think we both have an appreciation for such a well-written, whether it's a movie or a TV show or a made-for-TV movie or miniseries, whatever it may be. Um, and then when you are able to see that incredible talent, then play out with such incredible talent in the actors and that's what we saw in the west wing mm -hmm. that's what we saw in mash um it, there are other plenty of other shows like that plenty of other examples like that like you know tj hooker <laughs> <laughs> well sure full house <laughs> but no there are other examples those are the those are the examples that that really to me just rise to the top every time you think about good writing good acting uh, the newsroom is another good example, another Aaron Sorkin vehicle. Yeah, it was a, it's funny that Aaron Sorkin comes up in this in the context that she later on went on, went to write for the West Wing. What? Good grief. The West Wing, and she wrote one of the episodes called Disaster Relief in the fifth season after um, Aaron Sorkin had left the show. Pushed out. Right. Which is really unfortunate. But uh, she does give an interview about that episode that she wrote on a podcast called The West Wing Weekly that you can find on Squarespace. Which we both love very much. Loved it. So good. Where they talk a lot about ideas and processes and how they, you know, formulated these stories, uh, which I find fascinating because I, like Steve says, we both write and the how things incubate and how they come up with these is just, I wish I was anywhere close to as talented as these people are. So I did want to touch a little bit about the zeitgeist at the time. <laughs> the number one picture when this came out was called broken arrow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> with the It's a uh, John Travolta joint, yeah, I think where yeah. he steals a nuclear weapon. Yeah. He's flying a stealth bomber and yeah. Christian Slater in that too. I I, I tapped out on that one. That's fair. That's fair. Then we have Mr. Holland's Sounds Opus. Sounds like some ridiculous trope I'd watch. So. <laughs> Not Mr. Holland's Opus. No, the other. Which one. I did see that one. <laughs> that was Richard Dreyfus. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And the number three movie was called Black Sheep, and number four was The Juror. Oh, that was uh, that was. Uh, oh my gosh! Say anything. Uh, John Cusack. Thank you, John Cusack. That was—I thought that was a really good adaptation. Uh, and actually, I thought—I thought all of the the John Grisham books adapted well to the screen. Honestly, I thought that the Pelican Brief was a far superior movie than it was to the book. That's fair. I think that's reasonable. Um, Which I think I've said that about one movie in my entire right, life. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Usually, the movie's absolute crap relative to the book. Um, I think that you know, I think like the Harry Potter movie. Mm -hmm. That could have gone. That could have gone the way of the Percy Jackson movies, mm -hmm. right? It could have just ended up not going well. Um, I'm not saying the movies were better than the book, but I'm saying that they certainly, certainly did uh, did justice by the books. Yeah, I was so surprised that how I imagined Hogwarts was what it looked like on the screen. Right, and a lot of times that doesn't happen either. But it was just captivating the way they were able to do that. Right. The number one 
song on this date was One Sweet Day by Mariah, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. And the big historical event that happened on this day, February 1st, 1996, was the Communications Decency Act was passed by the U.S. Congress. What's that, Steffi, you say? Uh, it prohibited any individual from knowingly transmitting obscene or indecent messages to a recipient under the age of 18. And yet Congress is still there. <laughs> So it also outlawed the knowing display of patently offensive materials in a manner available to those under 18. Patently offensive apparently is uh, subjective because... Well, yes, because it's not objectively offensive. So right. I've seen some things, kids. Be careful out there on the, on the internets. But so uh, we were sort of at the, the beginning of widespread internet usage. I don't think most people had computers at this point in time. I, think, I did, but that's... I, think that, I don't think that computers were necessarily... I don't think they were necessarily in every home, certainly. Oh, no. Um, and internet usage was... The internet was... Oh, it was dial-up, and yeah. it was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> These are familiar sounds. Um, no, it was like AOL. My AOL chat room. I am so glad I never got on to AOL. They used to send discs out all the time. That had to have cost a fortune. Right, kids. Okay, so back in the day, you had to get a magazine. <laughs> a what? A magazine <laughs> and open it up and there would be a CD that you would put into your computer that would download AOL. Or your mailbox and there'd be five of them in right. there. And uh, so this is sort of at the beginning. It's it's funny that we're talking about computers because the episode with the list, the only reason my, or Rachel finds out about the list is because they accidentally print the list instead of deleting it on the computer. Yeah, from Chandler's new um, work laptop, which right. is roughly the size of a piece <laughs> of Samsonite. And yeah. that was an accurate representation sure of what was. a 1997 laptop looked like. So um, that's the 100th best episode, according to TV Guide, in 1997. Also, keep an eye out for the launch of Raised on TV. Um, and we'll let you know when it actually does come out. If you have ideas, if you want to know more, email Stephanie at Weekend Media Group. And media, I'm sorry. Let's try that again. Stephanie at WeekendMediaGroup.com, and she will be happy to talk to you about it. And if you'd like to um, have some, if you'd like to make some suggestions about other things about episodes you'd like to know, or if you feel like that you have something to offer and you'd like to guest with us, that is something we can do in our newly remodeled studio. We would love to have you on here. I was thinking about the Little House on the Prairie uh, episode. I have a friend who is like the reigning Little House on the Prairie expert let's see if we can get her on um let us know look at the list pick something out let us know absolutely get and, into it yeah something and we'll be back in a week or two weeks or four weeks or 12 weeks or Whenever. tomorrow we really don't know so hey to our ukrainian listeners we love you we i think do. about you every day keep fighting the fight so all right until we see you again take good care and stay safe love you <laughs>